The book of John in chapter 1, the book of John in chapter 1, uh, last couple of weeks we've been hitting on discipleship, and uh, and if y'all let me stay the next couple of months, we're going to hang around discipleship, because it is uh, it is an extremely important topic discussed often uh, throughout the Bible. We define discipleship as uh, a disciple is someone who is, is a learner, uh, an apprentice, uh, the word is often used. Uh, but someone who tries to learn from someone else, uh, usually uh, toward a common goal uh, or toward a mission. So whenever we think of our journey into a discipleship uh, of Jesus, we're trying to learn of him. Uh, and we try to do this via the gospel. Uh, we have something that is very unique to us. Uh, unlike the other religions, we have a, uh, a compiled book. Uh, that has a, uh, a composite history that we can have confidence in. Uh, not only that, we have a Holy Spirit that dwells within us that inspires that confidence. And then we have a God that is omnipotent, that reigns above us, uh, that takes care of us and, and shows his gospel in the everyday world. And so last week we talked about the, uh, the, the board down here. And I want to go over one more time. Whenever we think about the gospel, if you can't read it, it's spelled out vertically right there. The gospel is, is all about God. Uh, the word gospel is, is Greek for good news. And so whenever we think about good news, we think about Jesus. Uh, there's really no other good news that, uh, that, that surpasses that. And, and so it's about us. It's about our need for a Savior. Whenever we start thinking about Jesus, we have to think about where he brought us from. And so the gospel is about a Savior. Tonight we're going to cover the P-E-L. Uh, the gospel is powerful. It may be a book, and I'm not talking about slapping somebody with the Bible. The, the gospel is powerful in other ways. Uh, and then it must be embraced. And then finally, the gospel is life-changing. It is something that we cannot escape. If we accept Jesus Christ as our Savior, things are going to change. Uh, that, that's something that we can't really get around. It's really hard to hide the joy of salvation. Uh, and a, a person who is kind of shy usually has a better time of it. Uh, Although we shouldn't, but uh, but it's it's hard to hide the the chains that you go through. It's hard to hide the the joy that that it, God instills in you whenever you accept salvation. The same is true whenever we try to become disciples of Christ. Whenever we see the gospel for what it is, whenever we begin to see Christ, and and whenever we begin to see God in a greater light, then it begins to change us. There's a a word. A saying that, that people say a lot that uh, you, you become the company you keep uh, a more common one is if you lay down with the dogs you're going to get fleas uh, if you hang out with people that are of the wrong company if you hang around with people that's going to cuss and fuss and throw a fit all day and, and you hang around with people that drink or, or get out into drugs then eventually they're going to have an impact on you in that way not that we will slip into the drinking or slip into the drugs or slip into the foul language but they're going to have an impact on that joy because if we're if we're saved the Holy Spirit's going to convict us for being around those people not saying we shouldn't be around them we should try to help them but we shouldn't be around them and allow them to take away the joy of the gospel, allow them to take away the joy of Christ. We should be there to witness. We should be there to uh, try to show them Jesus through us and through our life. Uh, let's get to the scripture. John in chapter 1, uh, verse 12. The gospel according to John, chapter 1, verse 12. But as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name. 
Heavenly Father, thank you for blessing all of us with health and strength. Be safe here again today, God. Thank you for the wonderful day you've blessed us with. God, thank you for the good rain to send our way. All the things that you've done for us, help us that we could ever be thankful. We could ever be mindful of where our blessings come from. God, we, we'd ask you to bless those that's mentioned in our prayers tonight. Thank you for blessing Miss Joyce the way you have. Pray that you continue to lay your hand upon them. Uh, God, thank you for everything that you've done for us. God, even the things that we don't know about, uh, the things that we're unaware of. God, the way that you take care of us on a daily basis is is awe-inspiring. God, help us so we could greater love you and greater appreciate you. God, if if they be a lost one among us tonight, God, if, if they be a lost one that we're going to come in contact with this week, God, help us so we could live our life in such a way that, that we could exemplify the love of Christ, that they could see Jesus in us. God, that we could be a positive influence and, and in some small way lead someone to you, not for our honor and glory, but for yours. God, help us. We would never do or say anything that brings shame or reproach upon your great and holy name. God, help us tonight as we look into your word. Help us so we could open our hearts and we'd be willing to receive what you say to us through the Holy Spirit and through your word tonight, God. And we ask it all in the name of Jesus. Amen. John in chapter 1 verse 12 tells us that we enter into a relationship. Whenever we begin to think of whenever we begin to think of the gospel, whenever we begin to think of, of the powerful, uh, we're going to think about Hercules. Uh, we're going to think about Arnold Schwarzenegger. Uh, we're going to think about someone who, who is muscular whenever we think about powerful. But whenever we look at the gospel, we, we simply see a, a book. We see a Bible. Uh, the Bible don't say anything about Jesus being a great big Hercules of a man. But the power of the gospel lies elsewhere. The power of the gospel lies somewhere that a lot of times the world can't see it. It's up to us to embrace it ourselves. John in chapter 1 verse 12 says, But as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God. As many as received him. If you're here and saved tonight, God has given you that power. Not only has he given you the power to become the sons of God, but he has given you power to go out in this world in his name. He's given you power and the ability, and not only that, he has given us the opportunity to leave our mark on the world. I painted a set of cabinets today, and I guess maybe I didn't scrub my fingernails good enough. I still have a little bit of paint on my fingernails, and I got some on my watch, and, and eventually it's going to come off. But for right now, it's stuck. The way we live our life is going to stick with some people better than others. The witness that, that we leave and the, 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 the witness that we are is going to have an impact. Whether it's the impact that, that rain has, it's, it's wet today and it's dry tomorrow. Whether it's the impact that paint has, that it'll stick to us for a little while, but eventually it's going to wear off. Uh, or, or we could be the impact that great stuff has. Anybody ever got great stuff on you? That stuff got to wear off. <laughs> you just don't get it off. I got a pair of tennis shoes that's five, six years old. They still got great stuff on them. But eventually that great stuff's going to come off as well. We talked a while back about, about tattoos. A lot of times, we want to be more like a tattoo. Something that's going to stick with somebody permanently. Something that's going to stick with somebody, and, and, and every time they see it, they're going to think about the Word of God. What kind of influence are we being on others? With the power that God has given us, we have the ability to have a great influence. You see the influence that, that one thing in the media has had on the entire country, even the world. One happening. 
10 minutes and it's impacted the world the devil's used it to impact the world negatively the media has used it to to cause panic and whatnot. what could God do with 10 minutes of our life what could God do with 5 minutes of our life the gospel is powerful the way we live is powerful if we live in God's will the way we talk is powerful if we talk according to the word of God, if we allow God to use our tongue, if we become that light that Jesus talks about in Matthew in chapter 5, if we allow ourselves to be used, then we become just as powerful as the gospel. We know that the gospel is Jesus. Turn with me, if you would, to Mark in chapter 1. And we're going to see where Jesus' ministry began. Mark in chapter 1. We're instructed in the Bible to be busy about a lot of things. And, and there's a couple of commissions. People turn to Matthew and it says, Go and teach all nations, baptize in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Ghost. And, and then we read in Acts where it says to go into the, the uttermost parts of the world, the corners of the earth, to be a witness in Jesus' name. Here Jesus, He started His ministry in Mark in chapter 1, verse 15, he said, and this is the first words in red in Mark. He says, and saying, the time is fulfilled. The kingdom of God is at hand. Repent ye and believe the gospel. This is where Jesus' ministry began. And then he walked by the sea and he called his disciples. How much of an impact did this man have on the world? first night we started talking about the gospel we talked about how big the name of jesus is and the first thing that he decided to tell the people on the world and, and we're not going to go back to the uh to, to matthew but the uh, one of the one of the first things that he decided to say was to was to repent the kingdom of god is at hand repent the time is fulfilled he was preaching this 2,000 years ago. How much closer are we to that time today? Amen. Time is fulfilled. The kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and what do we got? Believe the gospel. Oh, that's powerful, ain't it? Believe the gospel. Believe the good news. Believe the account that was written down here for us. Believe the account that has stood the test of time and, and will continue to stand the test of anything. And all too many times we'll pick and choose what we want to read. I was talking to a friend of mine this week about the, uh, the, the rapture and all. And, and he was picking out scriptures and just, just reaching in there and grabbing them and using different translations of the Bible to try to prove a point. And he would get a little bit from this one and a little bit from that one and the Bible don't say to believe part of the gospel. The Bible don't say to pick and choose what you want to believe and throw out the rest. That's where all these other translations come from. People got <laughs> people got convicted. If you're not offended, if you're, if you're not touched and hurt and realize that, that something is wrong whenever you read the Bible, you're not reading the right Bible. The Bible is meant for instruction. The Bible is also meant for reproof, for discipline. The Bible is meant to convict us. The Word of God is, is there to show us the right way. 
And since we all can't live perfect at some point in time, it has to show us the right way to get us off of the wrong way. Believe the gospel. The whole gospel. And then to us, he gives that power not only to become the sons of God, but to become witness. Turn with me. Let's read it. In Acts in chapter 1. Acts in chapter 1, verse 8. You shall receive, there it is again, power. Acts in chapter 1, verse 8. The last words of Jesus before he departed this earth. They must be important. Mark said, believe the gospel so we know they're true. Come from God so we know they're, they're accurate. Words of Jesus. So it becomes a promise. But ye shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you. When does the Holy Ghost come upon us? Anybody? Salvation. Salvation. Whenever we get saved, we're, 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 I use the word enveloped, but the Holy Spirit comes to dwell within us. It's more than just dwelling with us. The Holy Spirit speaks to us. The Holy Spirit communes with our spirit. The Holy Spirit will guide us. The Holy Spirit will convict us. The Holy Spirit will lead us. The Holy Spirit will shake us and punch us and say, hey, you ought not to have done that. The Holy Spirit will let you know. The Holy Spirit is powerful not only on the inside of you, but the Holy Spirit is powerful on the outside as well. As we allow the Holy Spirit to guide us, then, then we become not only the instrument of God, we become a powerful instrument of God. Anybody ever read about Peter? Peter was a, and we often, well, just a couple of weeks ago, we, we picked on Peter about the way he denied Christ and the, the pride that he had and, and how zealous he was whenever he cut the guy's ear off and said that he would go to death with Jesus. I believe that was a, a turning point in Peter's life. At that point, he realized exactly how important the Holy Spirit and, and how important Jesus was to him. Whenever he realized exactly how vulnerable he was. Whenever you read that same Peter in the book of Acts, he becomes a different person. Peter became a man used of God in a powerful way. Not just speaking of the day of Pentecost, but Peter performed miracles by the help of the Holy Spirit. In the name of God, Peter did miraculous things that otherwise the world had not seen since Jesus because he received the power of the Holy Ghost so we have a promise that we shall receive power and then it says he shall be witnesses we shall receive power but we can't waste this power you shall be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and unto the uttermost parts of the earth. And when he had spoken these things, while they beheld, he was taken up, and a cloud received him out of their sight. The last words of Jesus was a promise and a command. My electricity bill has always been just irky to me. I don't like how much it costs, but I love running that air conditioner. But whenever we're going on vacation, we turn our air conditioner off. When I go on vacation, I turn my hot water heater off. I'm not going to leave a water hose running and try to fill up the swamp behind my house because that's wasteful. I have electricity. I have power. I have a 200-amp meter pan sitting outside my house, but I'm not going to use 200 amps. It's not going to happen. 
If I do, I become wasteful. What happens whenever we become wasteful? We begin to lose. Begin to lose money. Begin to lose time. Now let's get away from the electricity metaphor. How much power has God given us? How much do we use? How much do we waste? All too many times God may put a, a 200 amp meter pan in us and, and we'll be so scared to waste it that we won't use it. Or then we'll be so excited to use it that we'll get caught up in ourselves and we'll waste it. Allowing God to use us and, and not being wasteful of the power means that we have to walk that, that line between being overzealous as Peter was and not doing anything like the disciples that denied him and went home. Staying in the center of God's will is, is, is often compared to a tightrope, but I see it easier as a tightrope. Because if we allow the Holy Spirit to guide us, it's not like walking a tightrope where you may fall and you may not. You're on a solid foundation. It's more like walking that row of brick columns that was at your grandparents' house and you, you wanted to balance, and once you got your balance, you were good to go. You could walk all the way down. And as long as you didn't get too far off to the right or to the left, it was no problem at all to walk. If we stay in the center of God's will, it's no problem at all to stay there if we don't get hung up on the world and we don't get hung up on ourselves and we don't get distracted. We can remain powerful for God. We can remain instruments of God. Whenever we accept Christ as our Savior, it becomes a, a change of mind. The word repent, excuse me, as it was used in Mark, means a changed mind. Whenever we accept Christ as our Savior, we have to change our mind. We go from depending on the world, we go from maybe believing Jesus exists to believing on Him with our soul. The same thing has to happen whenever we accept uh, that we're instruments of God to use. We have to have a, a, a mind change because it's not about me. It's no longer about the things that I want. It's no longer about the things that, that, that make me happy. It's about what I can do for God. And happiness will follow every time. Every time. My, my great-grandma was probably the happiest person I ever knew. And I wish I could have known her longer. She never complained, ever. In the years that I knew her and we spent a little time over there at her house and I never once heard anything come out of her mouth that was a complaint. You ask her how she was doing, better than I deserve. Absolutely wonderful. She'd get down, get sick. How are you doing? Great. There's always something to smile about. There's always something to be happy about. Everyone sitting here has more to be happy about than others. Most of us have more to be happy about than we could ever be happy about for the rest of our life. Amen. But we don't allow that to carry over into our being a witness. And that's where the E comes in. When we talk about embracing the gospel, we have to not only believe it to the saving of our soul, we have to believe it to the surrendering of our life. Paul said to present our life a living sacrifice. Turn with me if you would to the book of James. The book of James in chapter 2. To embrace the gospel, one must repent 
and one must follow. To embrace the gospel, we have to turn from whichever direction we're facing whenever we get saved. That from that change that, that happens in our soul, we have to carry that over into our life. And we have to not only embrace the word of God, we have to embrace the character of God. We have to embrace the, the well, let's read it. In James in chapter 2, verse 19. James in chapter 2, verse 19. Bless you. Thou believest there is one God. Thou doest well. The devils also believe and tremble. That verse makes me chuckle because a lot of people will say, I believe in God. And so do the demons. Not comparing anybody to a demon, but believing in God ain't enough. Believing in the existence, believing that there is only one ain't enough. Even the, the, the demons and the devils, and then we read in the New Testament that whenever Jesus went to cast out the demons, they knew who he was. They trembled. They saw him coming a lot of times. Believing in God ain't enough. Was not Abraham our father justified by works when he had offered Isaac his son upon the altar? Seest how uh, seest thou how faith has wrought with his works, and by works was faith made perfect. Verse 24, you see then how by works a man is justified and not by faith only. Faith is a marvelous thing. I was talking to a guy yesterday. He said, I wish I had the faith of a half a mustard seed. Mustard seed is small and he wanted the faith of half of one. I do too. The disciples prayed, Lord, increase our faith. My prayer to God every day is that God could increase my faith. But faith will only get us so far whenever we try to become disciples of Christ. Just believing in God and, and believing even that the gospel is true and, and believing that this is the true word of God and the true commandments and the true promises of God is not enough. There's two words that is used in mathematics a lot. When I was in school, I was a smart aleck. They were my two favorite words. Prove it. You can tell me all day that this, 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 and whatever. Prove it. If you can show me, then I'll, I'll believe it. If we're going to tell someone we're a Christian and we don't prove it, what have we done? We brought shame upon our God and we've made a liar out of ourselves. To be a Christian is to be Christ-like. Whenever anyone was in need, Jesus helped them. Not by telling them something. By showing them. Not by telling them, I'll be compassionate and walking away, but by showing compassion. Amen. Verse 24. Ye see then that by works a man is justified and not by faith only. Not saying that faith is not important. The word only right there means that it takes two. It takes the faith for us to believe that God can use us. And it takes that works for us to surrender and allow Him to. God promises that He will. But we have to be able to embrace that gospel. We have to be able to embrace our role in that, in that machine. We're all gears, if you will. I'm a metaphorical type of person. We're all gears. We all have a place to fill. 
We have to embrace our place if we're going to be used of God. And, and if we're not going to embrace the gospel, if we're not going to allow God to use us, guess what? We're going to get somebody else to do it. And we're going to miss out on that blessing. We're going to miss out on that opportunity. man I was talking to yesterday, he said, uh, he said, my biggest regret is all the regrets that I have. And I got to thinking about that on the way home. I, I, I really don't know. My memory is, is so terrible. I can't remember all the things I regret. But whenever we get to heaven, we're, God is going to tell us about opportunities we had that we didn't even realize at the time that it was an opportunity. And we're going to regret them. God gave us a chance to be merciful. God gave us a chance to be passionate. God gave us a chance to be forgiven. God gave us a chance to be helpful. God gave us a chance to witness. And we missed it. Because we were embracing the things of the world and we weren't embracing the gospel. God gave us two arms. In theory, we should be able to reach around a person and hug them. And I can reach around my wife and hug her. But I can't hug her and somebody else at the same time and give them equal attention. I can't do it. If we try to hug God and the world, it's not going to work. One is going to win. The other is going to lose. We can't wrap our arms around both. Whenever we get distracted by the things of the world, then we, 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 and we, we can't embrace the gospel because our hands are full. Whenever we get hung up on the things that, that's in the news and the media and on Facebook, our hands get full. And we lose sight. We lose grip on the things of God. The things that he has promised to us. The opportunities that he's given us. Turn, turn with me if you would to the book of 1 Peter. Just flip over. Uh, it's just a couple of pages in my Bible. 1 Peter in chapter 2. The book of 1 Peter in chapter 2. He gives us opportunities every day. No doubt I have missed some today. My prayer is that tomorrow I won't. Because the gospel has done amazing things for me. And I want the gospel to do amazing things through me. Jesus Christ is life changing and, and the Bible is as well. First Peter chapter two, verse nine. First Peter chapter two, verse nine. But ye are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a peculiar people. And ye should show forth the praises of him who hath called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. We are to be different. The gospel has changed us. Jesus has changed us. We can't be the person we've always been. We can't be the way we've always been. We can't talk the way we've always talked. We can't smile the way we've always smiled because we are not the person we always were. We're changed. We're different. We can't help it. Whenever we surrender to God, it's, it's over. We can't help it. We are then a chosen generation. We become that royal priesthood. We become part of that holy nation, the peculiar people. And we should show forth praises to Jesus who's called us out of darkness. We should give him what he's worth. There's one thing that money can't buy in this world. Well, salvation. But the, whenever we're talking about the things of the world, there's one thing that money cannot buy, and that is time. How much time do we give God? 
He gave us all of his. Every day he's with us. Every day he's taking care of us. I did the math one day and down to the minutes of how much time I spent in church and it's not much. We spent a couple hours on Sunday, an hour on midweek service. Out of all the hours in the week, we're giving God four, five. How much time do we spend with the Bible and prayer, studying? If we're to embrace the gospel and, and it's to change our life, at some point we have to start giving God something that, that, that he's already given us. We've got to give it back, and that is time. If we're going to be this, this chosen generation, well, let's go ahead and read it. Verse 11, Dearly beloved, I beseech you as you are strangers and pilgrims, abstain from fleshly lusts which war against the soul. Having your conversation honest among the Gentiles, whereas they speak against you as evildoers, that they may, by your good works, which, shall, which they shall behold, glorify God in the day of visitation. People can see whenever things are different. A lot of times, and, and I heard a man say one time, I, I can tell if I need to ask my principal something by the mood that she's in because I can tell by the way she walks. Whether she's in a good mood and she'll give me what I want or whether she's in a bad mood and I need to come back tomorrow. If you hang around somebody long enough, you can tell when's a good time to talk to them. You can tell when they're happy, when they're sad. You can tell when you can ask your wife, hey, baby, you wash the dishes and when you just need to go wash them yourself. You can you hang around somebody long enough and you're going to notice these things. The people that hang around us, what do they notice? Do they notice us smiling whenever all this mess is on the TV? Do they notice us thanking God for the rain whenever there's a, a tropical storm coming? Do they notice us glorifying God and, and saying thank you even when all this mess is going on? Do they see by our good works the God that we serve? A man once said we may be the only Bible someone ever reads. Are they going to get enough through us to trust Jesus? If we won't allow God to use us, he'll use someone else. My prayer to God is that each of us will allow the gospel to change our life. That we will allow ourselves to embrace the gospel. That we will allow ourselves to be powerful tools used of God. That we would never do or say anything. Colossians says that, that we are rooted and grounded in the gospel. That, that we have something here to hold on to. We have a firm foundation. We have to allow God to use us if we're going to do anything with it. We're justified by our works and by our faith. By the way we embrace the gospel and by how we show other people the gospel that we have embraced. Oh, we have a verse of a song. If you have something on your heart, I'd like to offer a verse of invitation.